want to read to you from Judges chapter 6 this morning. Judges 6. If you have your Bible, you can follow through. If you haven't, there's the translation I'm using up on the screen, which is New Living Translation this morning. Starting at verse 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a winepress to hide the grain from the Midianites. Who puts the hand up and says, the only name I recognize in those two sentences is Gideon. It's all right? Yeah, that's okay. Because I didn't pronounce them properly, so you probably didn't recognize them. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord has, sorry, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord, Gideon replied, How can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. And I am the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I will be with you, and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. It's a great passage, isn't it? Just to help us understand what's going on here, I want to give you a little bit of background. If you had time to go back to the beginning of the chapter and earlier in in here, in um, Judges here, you'll find that the Israelites had been constantly attacked by a number of invading people, and one of those invading peoples were called fearsome enemy, called the Midianites. And they would swoop down into the valleys where they were living on their camels and steal the sheep and the cattle and the other livestock from the Israelites. And when it was time for harvest, they would come at harvest time and steal the grapes and the wheat and the barley and olives and all those essential crops, and they would destroy what they didn't want to take for themselves. This had been happening over and over for a period of seven years. And so consequently, the Israelites were virtually starving in their own land. Not only that, but they were terrified of the Midianites, and so they would flee to the mountains and hide in the caves. Pretty desperate situation, isn't it? And here we have this young man, Gideon, sort of, so out of that, this is where this story starts, here he is desperately trying to save some of the wheat for his family to keep them alive because there is really no food in the land. And he's threshing this wheat in a very unsuitable place. It's the wine press where wine, where the grapes are stomped on to make wine. Under normal circumstances, of course, he'd take the wheat and he would blow it in, in the air and, and it would be in an open place where the, the wind would carry the char, uh, the um, the, what's it called, the chaff, like the chaff, the chaff away and leave the wheat. But he couldn't do that because the Midianites would see him doing that and they would pro- they'd come and they would come and they'd steal the wheat or and very probably attack him as well. It's a very dangerous situation. So here he is hiding in the wine press, which in those days was just a, a pit carved out of rocky ground. I reckon Gideon's feeling pretty discouraged. Would you agree with me? He's probably feeling quite scared, right? Overwhelmed by this situation. 
And suddenly in the midst of all of this, these words are spoken to him, which are these, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Or as other translations say, mighty warrior. Or your translation might say, mighty man of valor, valor, valiant man, you know. Mighty hero. I reckon the only thing that Gideon is feeling mighty is mighty scared, wouldn't you think? Right at this moment. And somehow there's a real disconnect between what God sees in Gideon and what Gideon feels about himself. And I think this highlights an amazing truth for us. God often sees things about us that we do not see. Now, I'm not talking about the fact where some people go straight away to this sort of thing, oh, help God sees my sins, he sees my faults, he sees my failures, and a lot of people go straight there when they're thinking about God being all-seeing and all-knowing, but what I'm talking about this morning here is the truth that God sees strengths and abilities in you and in me that he put in there himself, but so often we don't recognize them, or we don't give ourselves credit for those things. And I guarantee there are some of us who are like that here this morning. Sometimes even when God's word comes or a, a word of encouragement or a word of prophecy or someone says something nice to you and upbuilds you, it's meant to build you up, sometimes you find it hard to believe it or to receive it. There's this disconnect between what you think about yourself and what God is saying about you either through poor self-image or negative experiences in your life or mistakes you might have made or whatever else has happened over the years. Now here in this church, if you're visiting us today, we're in this season called Reach, which is leading up to our offering in two weeks' time. Isn't it two weeks' time? On the 25th of this month. And last week, Carl spoke about how we have been created for a full-time relationship with God. And how vital it is for us to reach up to God above everything else. Our identity, our purpose in life, our decisions we make, the activities we give ourselves to, everything, in fact, in our lives is to be anchored on continuing to reach up to God first and foremost in all things. Now, following on from that, Carl has asked me to talk to you today, because if it's no God, I can blame him, see, about how we then from that need to... Reach in to find what God has placed within us so then we can reach out to others around us. And I reckon this account of Gideon actually helps us with this idea. Because here we have this young man, Gideon, hearing these words, mighty hero, mighty warrior, man of valor, the Lord is with you. Just listen to his response again. This is verse 13 of that chapter 6. Sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. He just can't bring himself to believe that this description of himself is true. And he manages to put nearly all his objections that he has about this thing into one sentence, in one verse here. He goes, if, why, where, and but. I tell you, we can argue all we like with the Lord. Anyone tried it before? 
Something about God, he always has the last word. And he says to Gideon, go with the strength you have. I am sending you. What encouraging words. But even then, Gideon's still not quite got it. How can I do it? Our tribe is just one of the 12 tribes of Israel. My clan is the weakest clan in that tribe. And furthermore, I'm the least in my whole family. Talk about putting himself down, man. A lot of us are like that, right? Don't need anybody else to put you down. You're really good at doing it yourself. I'm the least, you know. I'm the weakest. I'm the least experienced. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm not qualified. I'm not well educated. I'm too quiet. I'm too noisy. And so on and so on and so on. Here I am, Lord. Send him, you know. Send her. Objections, excuses. If, why, where, but, how can I, weakest, least. If only we could reach up to God more often. We'd get his perspective, wouldn't we? We'd find his enabling power. Then we'd reach in and recognize the strength and the abilities that he's placed in there. We would hear him say more often, go with the strength you have because I am sending you. Man, we'd give a very different response. But more often than not, we're just like Gideon, aren't we, right at this moment in his life? Made me feel really a lot better when I realized that great old Moses had exactly the same problem. Anyone else encouraged by that? I just love it when some of the heroes in the Bible have the same problems as me. When God spoke to him, He asked him to go and lead God's people out of slavery, which they'd been in for 400 years. His objections were like this. Who am I? What will I say? What if they don't believe me? Besides that, Lord, I can't speak. Who? What? If? Besides, I can't. Here am I, Lord. Send them, you know. Send someone else. And the Lord had, a, Lord had a couple of excellent answers for Moses. One was, what do you have in your hand, Moses? Of course, we, those of us that know the story of Moses know that he'd been shepherding his father-in-law's sheep for several years, and what he had in his hand was an everyday, plain, rough shepherd's staff, his tool of trade. God wanted him to start using what he had for God's purposes. Reach up, Moses. Then reach in so you can go and do what you need to do. And Gideon and Moses are both highlighting an issue that we can have at times. And I think it's a big problem because it stops us achieving many things in our lives. This is the problem. They were both focusing on what they couldn't do and what they didn't have. They were both focusing on what they couldn't do and what they didn't have. And all of us can do that, right? Can you, anyone with me on that today? We can so easily focus on what we can't do and what we don't have, but if we do that, we are setting ourselves up for constant discontent and failure because the list of what we can't do and don't have will be endless. You know, there are millions of things I can't do. 
I can't play the bass guitar or play the drums. It's always every kid's dream to play the drums, isn't it? I can't build a house. Some of you can do that. I can't teach maths or science. I can't drive a bus or a, or a truck. You know, I can't dance. I, there's, there's zillions of things I can't do. But you know, if I start listing all the things I can't do, the end result is going to be that I'm just going to feel totally useless, good for nothing, absolutely at all. I've been told I am good for nothing once or twice, but you know. And as for listing the things I don't have, how much time have you got? I don't have a, a yacht on the Mediterranean with my name across it. I don't have a private jet that flies me anywhere in the world that I want to go. I don't have quite as many muscles as Sonny Bill. Well, probably I do actually, but mine developed a bit differently from his. I think that's what's happened. Yeah, I don't have this, I don't have that. I, what a futile exercise that is, wouldn't you agree? Because you can spend the rest of your life listing all the things you don't have, feeling jealous of those who do have some things more than you do, or one particular thing, and you get more and more miserable in life. You know what? You die a grand old age without even finishing that list. Because the list is endless. It's a great tragedy that so many of us can go through our lives concentrating on what we can't do and what we don't have. It means we never get the fulfillment of life we could have had or accomplished what we could have accomplished if we just turned it right around and reached in, began to use what we can do and what we do have for the purposes of God and for his glory. So the Lord said to Moses, what do you have in your hand? Reach in, Moses. Take a good look. What can you do? What do you have? I want you to start using it and start doing it and using it for my purposes. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote in his second letter to Corinthians, chapter 8, verse 12. Good verse. For if the willingness is there, everyone say willingness. Again? So what's there? If the willingness is there, good word, isn't it? You say it lots of times, it'll start to sound funny, but willingness. <laughs> For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to to what one does not have. Deep verse, right? Did you get it? Of course, in context, this verse is speaking specifically about the giving of money. The principle is always true when it comes to giving money. That's why someone who seemingly has little in the way of money can be deemed really generous, right? Because they give generously willingly out of the little they have. It's not the amount given compared with someone else. It's the willingness to be generous with what one has, whether little or much. You know, you can be stingy with little or stingy with much. 
And you can be generous with little and generous with much. The attitude's the same, it's just the amounts are different. And as Paul says, the acceptability of the gift is nothing to do with the amount, it's to do with nothing to do with what one has, so it is all about what one has, it's not according to what one does not have. Who finds that a releasing one this morning? This principle can be applied not just to money, but to every area in our life. So when it comes to what I can or what I can't do, or what I have or what I don't have, what I do is acceptable according to what I have, not according to what I don't have. Are you with me? Because God has placed it within my life in the first place, I need to reach in and be generous with what I have and what I can do. So the question really is today, what do you have? What can you do? What has God put in your hand, in your heart, and in your mind, and in your whole being that he put there in the first place that you can use? What is it? Paul said some other great things. Apostle Paul in his letters in Romans 12. It's a great chapter. Listen to these verses. Romans 12 verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. That's the word for me this morning, isn't it? It's a good word. That's a great one to pull out of your promise box, isn't it? Don't think you're better than you really are. Thank you, Lord. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Not measuring yourself by somebody else and comparing yourself with somebody else, but be honest in your evaluation of yourself, measuring yourself by the faith God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I love that one. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. Well, the Apostle Paul here is saying it quite nicely. In other places, he says things much more bluntly, but really what he's saying, must be the name, mustn't it? What he's saying is, well, he says things nicely, I mean. He's really saying, get yourself in right perspective. And the only way to get yourself into right perspective is to stop measuring yourself or comparing yourself with somebody else. Why is that? Because we always end up with an unhealthy attitude. You will either be like some people who think, think too highly of themselves thinking themselves as better than they really are, or you might end up like others who think too little of themselves, but like Moses and Gideon were doing when God first spoke to them, or you'll end up like a lot of other people who actually think just far too much about themselves altogether. (laughs) So if you start comparing yourself with others, you concentrate on what they can do compared with what you can't do. And you compare with what they have 
with what you feel you do not have, and all you'll do then is get into this bad habit of focusing on what you can't do and what you don't have. Who thinks that's a really healthy thing throughout your life? Tell you what, the comparison game, comparison, comparison game never has a good ending. And it can never have a good ending ending. Because you'll always find someone who is better than you at something, no matter how good you are. And you'll always find someone who has more than you have, no matter how much you've got. There'll always be someone smarter than you or better looking than you, or taller than you, or faster than you, or who's got a flasher car than you, or a bigger house than you, or more money than you, or whatever than you, etc., etc. And as far as the church is concerned, you're always going to find a church that has got more people in it than your church has, or a bigger youth ministry, or that church is doing better at certain things than our churches. If we keep comparing ourselves with others and we feel that we can't measure up to them, it's really dumb. Because the truth is, we all have different strengths, different abilities, different expertise, both as individuals and as churches. And as Paul says here in these verses, he says, we are many parts of one body and each part has a special function. And in his grace, God has given us all different gifts for doing certain things well. Isn't that cool? You want me to stop now? Is that what it for us? Have I gone over time already? No idea when we started. That's why he only asked me about once a year. There are many things I can't do well. Many things I don't have. But if I focus on the things I can't do well and the things that I do not have, eventually I'm going to be no use to anybody. I've been in this church for many years now. I don't need to tell you the things that I can't do well. You could tell me. But there are certain things I can do well. And there are other things that you do well. There are certain gifts and abilities that I have, and there are heaps of others I don't have, but you have them. That's why we need each other, right? That's why we're part of the body together, so one can make up the lack of the other, and together we have strength. And in this church, we have great team, leaders, ministers, servers, some people are paid staff, lots of people are volunteers, as individuals who may be lacking, but God has given each one of us different gifts and abilities for doing certain things well. And together there's great blessing and fruitfulness and things we can achieve together that we could never do alone. You know, this morning I'm certain there's some Gideonses and Moseses and Gideonesses and Moseses in here (laughs) who become so tied up with what they can't do and what they haven't got that they are being robbed of being a blessing to other people. You know what? If that even slightly speaks to your heart this morning, it's probably well beyond time you reached up to God again and then reached in to see what he has placed in your life. And one of the keys that I am drawing to a close soon, one of the keys to solving, it's a good ploy of speakers, isn't it? You know, I wish you'd finish. Well, I'm going to close soon. How long soon? Well, how long is a piece of string, you know? One of the keys to solving this is to answer for yourself the question God asked Moses. 
What do you have in your hand? Not literally for each of us, not because, well, nothing, you know, at the moment, but what is it that you have in here, inside you, in your abilities, in your giftings, in your strengths? In other words, instead of making the incredibly long list of what you do not have and what you can't do, you've got to change your thinking. And if it's like that, if it's like me, often my thinking is stinking thinking. Anyone else heard that? If you don't put anything else down today and notes put down, get rid of my stinking thinking. Three quick points. Number one, make a list of what you can do and what you do have. Make a list of what you can do and what you do have. You know, over the years I've heard many people say things, well, not many, but I've heard a few say, you know, I'm going to be another Billy Graham. I'm going to see millions saved. Or I'm going to be Catherine Coleman. I'm going to see millions healed under my ministry. And that's wonderful to think like that. But then I've talked to one or two people and they've told me that and they're terrified of public speaking. Even timid to have yet told one single person about Jesus. Or they haven't prayed for one person at all yet to be healed. In the meantime, they're sitting around waiting for that big moment on that big day when their big ministry is going to start. They're going to be another Catherine Coleman or another Billy Graham, and they feel discouraged and a failure because it hasn't started yet. Let me tell you, they need to start making a list of what they can do now, right? Because it seems to me very unlikely for that larger dream just to suddenly come to pass in their lives when they can't even do the lesser things today. You've got to reach in, start doing what you can do right now with what God has put in you, and let him open whatever doors are just the right doors with your name on them to open for you. And a clue to how God is going to use you comes out of what you can do well now. It's a great idea. Some of you have never done this in your life. Maybe you should make a list of what you can do. And if you're always someone who concentrates on what you can't do or what you don't have, start a list of some of the things you, might, you can do, and it might be a little hard for you to start switching your thinking from that, but do it. Let me see, what can I do, you know? Well, if you, you don't use your pen these days, so you broaden you use your device. So make your list on your device. You know, what can I do? Well, I can fix things. Great, well, put it in your device. Write it on your list, you know? I can talk. Great, write it down. Stop talking and write it down. <laughs> well, I can boil an egg and make some toast. Well, great. That's, you can do it. You can, Brighton. Fantastic. I can teach. Write it down. I can mow the lawns and love it. God bless you for that. Yeah. <laughs> I have business skills. I can clean and garden and really enjoy helping people do that. I can, I can nurse people who are sick and give them encouragement. I can speak encouraging words to other people. I love kids and love working with kids. I can sing or play an instrument. I, I, love, I can drive trucks. I can pray. Whatever it is, write it down. And as you get older, you might, some of those things that you did earlier, you can't do now because you, you, know, you can't quite run as fast as you used to, whatever it is. But you can pray however old you are, can't you? Don't even belittle that if that's what you feel all you can do. It's not all you can do, it's what you can do. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you, the people that pray into their hundreds, yeah. 
are awesome people. They're achieving so much for you and for me. Whatever you can do, write it down. Put it on your device. might take a while to get going, but gradually a flow will come, and you'll see that actually there are many things you can do, but you maybe never have thought about the fact they can be used for God's glory and for his kingdom. No, I won't go there. Yes, I will. I was always amazed when I was younger why it seemed that the only ministry that was ever valid was the preacher's ministry. How many preachers can you have at one time? What a waste of time if we all want to be doing that. Is it a waste? No, I knew I gave myself into trouble somewhere in this. Come on. There's so much more that we need than just someone up here standing and talking to you. There's stuff you guys can do that I can never get my hand to do. And I haven't got the ability. You know, we, we, the things God has put in your life that our strengths are the very things God wants to use for his glory and for his kingdom. To touch the world for Jesus. Reach in. Use them. They're not mistakes. They're part of God's plan for our lives. Stop trying to be like someone else. You'll only ever be a, a pale, poor copy of the real thing. Be the real you and the best you can possibly be. Give yourself the things you can do well. Do them. But do them. And you'll get better at them as you try them out and you'll get more skills and get more training and other things will open up and you'll learn other things and you'll do other things you didn't think you could ever do. Doors will open in different ways maybe. But the way God uses you will always flow out of the way he's uniquely made you. Reach in. Discover what it is that God has placed within your life. Can I have the team, as I close in these last couple of verses, as long as they're quiet and do it nicely and not draw attention to themselves and all those things? Actually, what I'd love you to do today is come right across ready to sing and not stand over there waiting for later. I think it'll be awesome. We'd like to see you. You've all got better, better looking than I am, so it's a break for the congregation to see you standing across here. Do the singers, singers come across? You didn't, didn't hear me. Come, would you come across? That'd be awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, that was the first thing. Out of three was make a list, what you can do and what you do have. The second key is what the Lord said to Gideon in Judges 6.14, number two, go with the strength you have. (laughs) Go with the strength you have. One scary dude in that worship letter. Are you trying to pinch my notes or something? You're looking at point three, weren't you? I was... (laughs) Go with the strength you have. See, what a difference we would see in the world if we recognized how God has uniquely wired each one of us and we lived out of our strengths to be blessed, to bless others. But of course, if it just stopped there, the danger would be that we'd go, hey, look at me, you know, I can do all these amazing things. Hello, how great am I, you know, and we can end up drawing attention to ourselves and the glory could come to us. So it doesn't stop there. When God spoke to him, he said, go in the strength you have. But then he said, I am sending you. And in verse 16, I will be with you. Cool. 
God spoke those very same words to Moses. When Moses had his but, but, I can't, yeah, why me? I can't do all this stuff. God said, I will be with you. That's the third point. God will be with us. When we change from concentrating on what we can't do and what we don't have to what we do have and what we can do with what God has given us, then we live and function in the strength and ability God has given us. We do what we can do so God can do what only He can do. Then He is with us with His awesome power and His presence to empower us and enable us. God then adds His super to our natural. One last verse as we finish. One of our theme verses, I think, for this year. It's sort of preceded up on the wall over there. We noticed it on the side. Those words are sort of from this, Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. Did you get that? It's his power that has worked where? Within us. So what I'm saying to you this morning is that you reach up to God and receive from him and we keep our relationship with him first and we reach in to see what God has placed in us. As we go on the strength we have, God comes, he says, I will be with you. He adds his super to our natural and becomes a supernatural thing where his power is at work within us to him bringing the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet for a moment here this morning. We're going to sing a song in a moment, which essentially is about surrender. And as we sing it, I just really, I asked for it today, because I felt it fitted in here so much. You know, today, it's still close our eyes for we moment. I don't know everybody here. I know some of you well. I know some of you not at all. But I don't know any of your hearts. God does. I don't know all of your strengths. God does. I don't know all the abilities that God has put in you, but He does. As we sing this song this morning, I just I wonder where there are some Moseses and Gideons and Moseses and Gideonesses, as I said before, who would say, you know, I've been so concentrating on what I can't do and don't have that I really know I've missed out on what God wants to use me for. Might be just that neighbor down the road. I, I, can, I can cook. I can take them a meal. I know that they're needing some encouragement. What a wonderful thing to do in Jesus' name. I don't know what it is today. We've been through the list already. You, you apply it to your own life for a moment. Just maybe it is that you have stopped doing because you've got so tied up with the can't and don't don't have and can't do. And right this morning as you sing this song of surrender, you're going, Lord, I'm just giving myself afresh to you. This stage of my life, use what it is you put within me. Recommission me, resend me, reuse my gifts, reuse my abilities, reuse those natural things in my life to be a blessing. Use those things in me that are from you to touch lives around me. I will go, I'll reach up, reach in, and I'll go and touch people's lives, reaching out to them. In whatever manner that means, And I just want to rededicate it to you this morning. Lord, forgive me. I've been neglecting my gifting and my abilities, and I haven't seen them as important, but today I see them. I'm uniquely and wonderfully made. There was no one else like me, and I thank you for that, Lord. 
Before we even sing, as we all have our eyes closed, anyone would say, right, now you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit's just touched my heart today that I, I realize there's an area that I do need to use for Him that I have stopped using or I've perhaps not recognized as being something that God's given me as a strength. I want to use it now. And so I'm saying, Lord, here I am. Would you quickly shoot a couple of hands up for me? Say, yep, I'm willing, I'm wanting to do that right now. From now on, I'm going to give this back to the Lord. It's from Him. Cool. Thank you. Put those hands down. Father, right now in Jesus' name, we're praying your Holy Spirit would come and touch our hearts afresh. Lord, we thank you that you've given us certain things that we can do, that certain things we can do well because they're from you. And our natural and spiritual and experience, everything about us that you've given us, we want to give to your glory. All we are belongs to you. We give it to you. We surrender ourselves afresh this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing.